0: While there was a definite daily and annual routine to the life of Simpson, as at every other trading post, there were certain events that stood out in high relief. There was the fall duck hunt and the fishery at Great Slave Lake, which produced some fifty or 60,000 white fish for winter use. Then the freeze up of the river, the return of the caribou hunters, with the first sled loads of meat, and the luxury of marrow bones pinched from these sleds and cooked in the ashes of the fireplace. Then came the time when the short winter days began to lengthen followed almost immediately by the New Year's Day celebration. When the flag went up, guns were fired, everybody went visiting, and there was a grand ball and feast in the evening.
1: That is Charles Campbell, founding president of the Royal Canadian Geographical Society, one of Canada's great northern explorers, and my great-grandfather. He was recalling his childhood growing up on a fur trading post, Fort Simpson, in the Northwest Territories way back, in the 1870s and the 1880s. For this holiday episode of Explore, we're going to dip into his files to read a story he wrote recalling a memorable Christmas on the trail to the Klondike in the late 19th century. In the early 1900s, Charles Campbell mapped hundreds of thousands of square kilometers of Canada's north, by canoe and on horseback, for the Geological Survey of Canada. Born at Fort Liard in the Northwest Territories in 1876, his father, Julian, was an English fur trader with the Hudson's Bay Company. His mother, Sarah Folds, was Metis with deep roots in the Red River. After graduating from the University of Manitoba, Charles Campbell returned to Fort Simpson just in time to get swept into the Klondike Gold Rush. Like thousands of young men and women at the time, he and his friend Arthur Pelly went off to the Yukon to seek their fortune. My mother found the following story in his personal files. It was dated 1937, around the time he began writing his memoir, Son of the North. And ever since our children were infants, I've read this story on Christmas Eve as we move from continent to continent, country to country, often celebrating the holidays far from family and from home. So pour yourself a favorite drink, settle into a comfy chair by the fire, Put your feet up if you want, and enjoy this reading of Christmas at Devil's Portage by Charles Camsell. It was Christmas Day, 1897, and Arthur Pelly and I were on the road to the Klondike overland by the Liard River route. For two days in sub-zero weather, we had plodded through the soft snow of the Grand Canyon of the Liard River, a deep rock-walled trench cut through the northern end of the Rocky Mountains. Each of us, alternatively breaking trail for our four-dog team, or pushing and guiding the toboggan which carried our whole outfit. We had entered the canyon at Hell's Gate on the evening of the 23rd and had had fairly heavy going because of deep snow throughout the 40 miles of its length. We had found the canyon frozen everywhere, even at the rapid of the Drowned, near where we had camped the night before now we were at its western end we had tried during the day to gain a passage through the constriction known as the devil's gorge which forms the western end of the canyon but found this impossible because the force of the stream had kept open water from wall to wall of the gorge the only alternative was the portage trail of four miles over a mountain spur a thousand feet high a trail which had never been used in winter and only once in summer in the last 30 years. This was the notorious Devil's Portage, which to all northern voyageurs carried a reputation of decidedly sinister character and was responsible for the abandonment of the Liard River as a trade route to the Yukon many years ago. Hell's Gate and Devil's Portage, evil sounding names indeed. obviously suggestive of their character small wonder that the memory of them has dimmed little in 40 years and so on christmas night pelly and i were camped on the summit of devil's portage then as now a no man's land and one of the most isolated and inaccessible points in all of canada it had not been easy to find and follow the old portage trail covered with three feet of snow and much overgrown as it was But here and there, an ingrown blaze was visible. It was the toughest going of the day up this eastern slope of the portage, but by doubling up when necessary, we were on the summit before the light of the short winter day began to fade. Finding a spot where there was both green and dry standing spruce, we set to with snowshoes to shovel out a place for the camp. Then we floored with spruce boughs and banked on three sides with snow and brush. On the side, we laid the fire of full-length trees with butts overlapping and pointing inward. The star-studded sky was to be our canopy. Then, the dogs were unhitched and the sled unpacked of its blankets, food and cooking utensils. The next operation was supper. The first duty, however, of the northern traveller is the care of his dogs. And after these are fed, he proceeds to the preparation of his own meal. Ours was the same as it had been for three months, namely bacon, beans, and bread washed down with tea. Tonight, there was to be added to this simple fare a cooked but now frozen plum pudding carried all the way from Edmonton for this occasion and put up for such purpose by a famous Toronto caterer of his day. This was to be the pièce de résistance. Pelly, however, had a surprise in store And before the pudding was served, he produced, like a magician from his kit, a small flask of brandy, which he had carried since July without arousing suspicion from any source. A little of this in a tin cup with a toast to absent friends was the prelude to the most satisfying plum pudding ever eaten. Later, as we lay in our blankets within the small circle of light made by the campfire, and nothing but the stars overhead and the infinite silence of the subarctic night around, my thoughts and Pelley's reverted to other Christmas nights, his to scenes many thousand miles distant, mine nearer to hand, but both embracing friends who are thinking the same thoughts as ourselves. So does Christmas eliminate distance. From everyone here at the Explore podcast and Canadian Geographic, happy holidays.
0: Uh, we're enjoying very much looking back at the earth and it's just, uh, a fantastic experience and I just can't wait to get back and start telling people. we about Simpson about June the tenth, with a fur brigade, consisting of a number of yacht boats, each manned by ten voyageurs. For us it means that in the oral history is very slow. we little low over every inch of the country that it could be, we're hoping that he would fire at us. Oh, I guess hundred and sixty.